So now in this magnificent passage in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is pure magnificence. I doubt that there is any higher point in Scripture uh, about our faith and relationship to Jesus than this. It's magnificent. And I, I wonder what led Paul, so many times I wonder it, to believe and think this. Notice he says, for I am persuaded. Um, that's an interesting phraseology, isn't it? Faith in Christ has persuaded him. He must have sat many times and pondered the death of Jesus and all that Jesus said about his coming death, that it would be a ransom for many, which means, of course, for all, because later on uh, he says for all. And um, uh, this ransom is the propitiation for all the world, as John the Apostle says it is. And so if that's the case, Paul is saying to himself, then all the troubles in the world... All the difficulties, all the struggles we go through cannot possibly separate us from that love. Paul had become persuaded that Christ's death was the full expression of God's love. And I think he had become persuaded as well by the scriptures, of course, because he would want to line up the scriptures with the reality of Christ's death and resurrection. You've heard me talk often about the connection between the book of Romans and the book of Ezekiel. It is quite remarkable. I've often mentioned and did the other day that all the judgments and troubles in the, that Israel went through, especially the Babylonian captivity, captivity, were not to extinguish them to send them to hell or anything of that nature, but to stun them and make them desolate and seize them by the heart so that they would come to their senses and uh, return to God. And this is why Paul says that neither famine nor sword can separate us from the love of Christ. He has become persuaded because of Christ's death and resurrection that all the troubles in the world cannot possibly separate us from God. And so he says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Now, how beautiful about the death issue. So many people fear death. They don't know what's coming. They think it's the end of themselves. They have no assurance that God will receive them. But as Christians who have faith, we know that death is not the end of the, uh, at all. It's the beginning. Jesus said, all are living to him. All the dead and all the living are living to him. Have you come across that verse lately? It's uh, Luke chapter 20, verse 38. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living for all live to him. 
And so this is why Paul said, I long to depart and be with Christ. Death is no longer a barrier between us and God. It is no longer something to be feared because Christ broke the power of death by his resurrection. And so that is why Paul is able to say, I am persuaded that neither death nor life can separate us from the love of God. And what's he talking about when he says life? Well, of course, all the troubles of life, all the disappointments of life, all the trials of life, all the doubts and the fears and the depressions and the anxieties, they cannot separate us from the love of God. You are able to say, Father, I feel so anxious. I don't see you coming through for me. I am troubled by your silence. And yet, nothing can separate me from your love. You see, faith counters all the feelings. You can tell God all the feelings, but then tell God also that your faith counters those feelings. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. Now, that's interesting. Presumably, he's talking about... Satan's revolt and all the angels he took with him. In other words, demons and devils, Satan himself, they cannot separate us from the love of Christ. So often we think of Satan tempting us and being able to stand between us and God. He can't do it. He cannot do it because the power of Christ is stronger and has crossed that barrier for us between us and God, and so we are reconciled to the heart of God and living by faith in Christ in his home. That is why we need not fear uh, angels and principalities and powers. There are some sad, broken human beings uh, who are even children of God who are terrified by uh, demons and have who speak more about uh, Satan and his power to tempt and bring down Christians than they talk about the power of Jesus. And they say, oh, Satan attacked me today and Satan did this and Satan did that. Look, I want to encourage you to change your thinking about that. Do not give Satan more credit than he deserves. Well, he doesn't deserve any credit, of course. But recognize the victory of Christ over the powers of evil, so that when trouble happens, don't think of it as Satan bringing you the trouble, but think of it as God bringing the trouble to bless you. It, yes, the trouble may have come from Satan, but only God gives permission to Satan to allow trouble to come to us. And so the real issue is God's direction, not Satan's. So Paul is persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers can separate us from the love of God. And of course, principalities and powers can also be worldly powers. There are some people listening to this broadcast who do not live in democratic countries, who live in despotic countries, countries where the government controls your every thought. Listen. Those governments cannot separate you, those principalities and powers, earthly principalities and powers, those governments cannot separate you from the love of Christ. The victory of Christ has been gained over your government. 
And even though those governments still reign and dictate and control you in some way, they cannot control your mind. They cannot control your spirit. Your spirit is alive in God by the gift of faith that Christ has given you, and you will one day know the freedom when that government is broken down. And so we have these wonderful promises, nor things present, nor things to come. By the way, I want to say this, I I've, I've, should have mentioned, well, whether I should or not, but anyway, you know, during Stalin's era, after the fall and collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, after, of course, Stalin was way before the collapse of the Soviet Union, but uh, when the, co the collapse came in 1989, it was discovered several years later that an estimated 50 million Christians lived in the former Soviet Union. Earnest Christians, Christians who loved uh, the Lord and who were all so eager to receive a Bible after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Fifty million. Many of them walked single file and a quarter of a mile apart into the woods uh, to go to church. Uh, they s walked single file so that it was not seen, they were not seen in groups uh, which the uh, communist leaders would have stopped. But you see so that even in countries that are atheistic and are despotic and controlling, God is sovereign. God is working through those governments because through their resistance, Christians also find the courage to be resistant in their faith. And that you can have take heart in. And so... Paul then says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Nothing present is separating you from the Father. Your temptations, your failures, your addictions, do not allow yourself to think that your addictive struggle and your defeats separate you from the love of God. Keep coming to him and saying, Oh Lord, forgive me for I have sinned, but I praise you that, you that my addictive struggle, my habits do not separate me from your love. I praise you that you are still with me and teaching me even in the midst of a struggle and a failure and a defeat. This is how we work with ourselves. We don't throw ourselves over a cliff in despair and say, oh, I'm no good, I'm useless, I keep failing. God can't possibly love me. Yes, he can. He loves beyond failure, beyond defeat, beyond addiction. And as you believe that, your spirit grows stronger and slowly your spirit of faith gradually informs your emotions and they begin to change and your desires begin to change. And so things present, nor things to come. You know, we worry, and yet Jesus tells us not to worry. It's almost unbelievable what Jesus says in Matthew. How can we not worry about what to eat and what to uh, put on and, and the bills and the electric bill and the water bill and all the other and the rent bill? How can we not worry? And yet we are told we don't have to worry because our Father is taking care of us. And that is hard to comprehend in countries especially where many people have no home to live in or not food enough for tomorrow. 
I don't know how you live. I, I, my heart goes out to you. But I do believe that God will sustain you by faith, and he will assure you that he loves you and your bread and water will be sure. And so you lift your heart up to him, even in all the anxieties, and you admit to him, Lord, I'm worried, but I praise you that my worry has no power to separate me from you. And I will therefore lift up my heart and believe, even though worry wants to be stronger, I will believe and let that become stronger. So we learn, you see, as we go through life. Things to come cannot separate us from God's love. This suggests to you, more than suggests, it tells you that God's love for you is invincible. Nothing can break it. Nothing can separate it. Not even your unbelief. If you should fall back into unbelief, God will send you gentle judgments and gentle nudgings and gentle trials to bring you back because he intends that all the world shall ultimately bow uh, to him and, and ma uh, make a, an oath that in him alone is their righteousness and strength. So be assured that God will keep bouncing you back and you will keep believing even when you fall, you will not fall headlong. Thank you for listening today. This is Colin Cook, and uh, you've been listening to my broadcast, How It Happens. I really do appreciate all your support and uh, the donations that you send. I was thinking the other day about a nurse who gets up at 3.30 uh, to go to work and slogs away there with her tired knees and sometimes aching feet and sometimes uh, irritable colleagues or... Um, in unappreciative patients, and all of those things um, add, or rather are part of her donation, the dollar amount that she sends is more than simply a dollar. It is all about the effort put into it, working and getting home tired, and so on. And I want to thank you for that kindness when you support the ministry in that way. This radio program costs $39 per 15 minutes, $200 for a week's programs. So if you'd like to help, please send your donations to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much for all your support. See you next time. Cheerio and God bless.